welcome to Dear Sparrow's podcast. So um, two weeks ago on our episode, we kind of started off with Proverbs 31, um, kind of transitioning into that, that we're going to go into a little bit this summer and looking at um, really that text and what that means and, and how that is uh, applicable for not only women, but also men. And it's applicable for men. I mean, I think we, we really dove into last time looking at some of the wisdom that King Solomon had in Proverbs, um, King Lemuel, if you will, and the things that his mom said to him, hey, these are these are good traits for men or women to have. But continuing on, we see that in verse 10 and on to the end of the book, um, there's really like these traits of a, a good wife or a woman of noble character. And I think that is something that gets talked about a lot um, especially in the church context, but we don't, we kind of gloss over it. We do a, almost a, we just skim the surface and we don't go deeper. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be going deeper. We're going to see what it truly means to be that woman of noble character. But I think this is good for men. And I encourage you, if you're a guy and you're listening to continue to listen, because these are things to look at. Um, but not just look at, but actually praise when you see that exhibited in another woman's life, whether that's your sister, whether that's your sister in Christ, whether it's a girlfriend or your wife, these are things that the Lord is saying, this is good. And really, you know, when we see something of a noble trait that is good to encourage that in somebody, because they might not even know it, they might not recognize that. And that can bless them in a way where they feel more connected to the father. They feel more connected to becoming of a person that is upstanding and doing well. And those are things that, you know, we can pass on, you know, if you, if you're in a setting where, you know, your, your wife, your girlfriend is exhibiting one of these traits and you highlight that in her, somebody around her might see that as well and say, Hey, that's really exceptional. And I, I want to take part in that as well. So then you listen, we're going into verse 10 this week and what, you know, we're talking about what does it really mean to be a Proverbs 31 woman in 2017? And when, so I, I started this study, um, I actually did this study two years ago, and this is my notes from the study two years ago that I was working on. I was writing for a publication at the time and really went into a, a deep study. Um, but I am one of those people that I, I just want to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. I want to dig until I get, I reach bone till I hit the marrow, you know, and then I can really see what the intention was. So I picked myself up one of these interlinear Bibles, which honestly is one of like the best things I've ever bought. So it's kind of a seminary Bible, but what it is, if you, if you're not familiar with what an interlinear is, it's a direct translation from the original text. So you're thinking, well, isn't that what all versions of the Bible are? Not necessarily. So versions of the Bible, there's like NLT and IV, all of these different ones. And those have different translations and different ways in which they will speak upon something, right? Um, so an interlinear, sometimes it can kind of sound like Yoda because it's not, because it's literally being translated word for word. But at times there are depths that you have that you're like, dang, that's what God was meaning. So for the rest of this study, we'll be doing um, primarily interlinear translation. So direct from the original source, 
to current. So verse 10, um, who can find an able woman for her value is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her so that he lacks, he has no lack of game. She deals good with him and not evil all of the days of her life. So that's verses 10 through 11. That's what we're going to cover today. So let's be little sponges of the word. So the text begins asking, where, where can you find this woman that's being described? What kind of woman is able to be this woman, right? The beauty of it all, this woman is capable of. So it's not saying that women will always hit the mark perfectly, but the beauty of the gospel of Christ is it makes up for our lacking. So 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ his Son purifies us from all sin. So the blood of Christ shed on the cross makes up for what we lack. The beauty of the pain that was on the cross is the love poured out for us and our lacking, our sin, our shortcomings, and he is enough. In Christ, every woman is able, for Christ enables us. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. And that's from Philippians 4.13. And so what that is saying is she is able. So we are all able. We might not always hit the mark. We might fall short, but we have this capability within us to strive to be better. And something that I really try and tell my youth, um, because it's, uh, gosh, I do it. I mean, we all compare ourselves to one another, but I really try to encourage people. The only person you should be comparing yourself to is who you were yesterday, to try and be a better version you are able to than who you were yesterday. And some days you're not going to hit that mark. You're going to fall a little bit. You're going to slip. You're going to maybe not be hitting the mark. But keep trying and keep getting back up again and back up again and back up again, right? And that's what this first part is really saying. It's, it's literally saying, hey, so as a woman, you are able to be this person. You might not always be. But Christ is going to make up for that lack. But try your best because you are able, right? So continue on. This woman is worth far more than jewels, okay? So this is literally saying, like, you can go into the Tiffany store and what the biggest rock you can find, this woman is worth more than her. Her heart, who she is, what she encompasses. And so if all women are able, right, that's already saying that in the eyes of God and his perspective that, that women are worth so much more than these little tangible rocks that come from the ground, right? And that's true. That shows our uniqueness and our, our worth in Christ and our human worth as people. <clears throat> and that's a really big thing because we live in this world that operates on money and greed and wealth and status, but this character is exceeding all of that. And that's what this is really saying. And you also have to think in context, Solomon is writing this. This is wisdom given to him from his mom. And he was one of the richest men in the entire world at the time. And she's literally saying, hey, I know you have all these mo- all this money, all these riches, all of this. But when you find this woman who's got this kind of heart, she's worth more than all of that. She's worth more than your entire kingdom's money worth, Right. And so that's really what needs to be looked for and what needs to, what what women should want to be. And I know, I think growing up um, through the world, and I I don't even want to say growing up, I think becoming um, an older, later 20s person, um, I've really seen a lot of women take a lot of different routes. And looking generationally, (laughs) 
you know, there used to be a time where, you know, for girls, it was pretty much you grew up, you got married or you got like a little job then you got married, then you had kids and that, and that was your life. And then my parents, you know, kind of went through the time period of the latchkey kids where mom started going to work more and working. And so you kind of had this more of an idea, um, plunging forth more through culture of women taking on the workforce. And I'm not going to advocate which is better because that's not mine to the side. Um, but I think something I have noticed in my own life is I have a lot of friends who were blessed to get married in their earlier 20s. Most of them are on kid number two now, and I'm excited for them about that. Um, and I have a lot of friends who, you know, more like, hey, this I that's great good for you if that's the route you want to take, but I'm going to take the career route. And so they really focus more of their efforts and their heart on climbing up that corporate ladder, getting where they want it to be in a corporate sense um, with their career. And I think what it all boils down to, whether either side that you you know want to be on, more than anything, we need to be working on our characters. Because yeah, that's great if you've got a ton of money in the bank, Okay, that's great if you've got a bunch of kids, but we, you know, continuously need to be working on our characters to become more Christ-like and to become the women that God intended us to be more than the women that we think we need to be or society tells us we need to be. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow because uh, growing up, I had a while where I, I really didn't want to get married and that was just kind of not what I would want to do. And then I had, you know the Lord really changed my heart and opened my eyes on that. And then I just wanted to get married when I was super young. And I always, um, I prayed, Lord, let me get married young. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, and so, you know, here I am in my later twenties and, and I'm not married and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that I am anything less. It doesn't mean I'm a failure to what I wanted to do. It's just, it wasn't the right time. And the Lord had a different path for me. And I'm thankful for that because looking at the things that the Lord has refined in me and my own character. And I'm not going to say the things that I've done, not the things that I've done that get puts worth in me, but the things that the Lord has worked in my own character is what I'm really measuring my worth in and my worth in him. I am thankful for the opportunities and the path that he's brought me through for my own character and refinement and personality um, and really becoming who I was meant to be, not career, not status, definitely not bank account, but who I am as a person and my character. And um, I don't know if you guys have watched the Agent Carter show. It was on ABC a few years ago. And after the whole endgame thing, I just, I went full on INFP obsession with Marvel for a while. Still kind of am there. But there's the show Peggy Carter. And so she's the love interest of uh, Captain America for Refresher there. And She's amazing. And one of my favorite parts, so I, I watched the whole shows, had two seasons in like two weeks, but her, something that she said, so she's, she's in this workplace. She's like the only woman in the workplace where she is. And someone says to her, well, doesn't it bother you that all the guys put you down? They treat you like you're a secretary, not an agent. And they make you feel not worthy. And she's, stops and she's like I don't care what anyone thinks of me I know my worth and I love that because I was so empowering it was finally <clears throat> it wasn't like oh no I need to reach and obtain 
the same status, the same job title, the same money as my male counterpart. No, she knew her worth because of who she was and her character. So it didn't matter how much money she made. It didn't matter the praise and recognition she received from others. It did not matter her ranking and her job status. What mattered to her was her worth within her own heart. And I think that's what this verse is really getting at in this chapter, that as women and as men, you know, we need to look to God for our worth and for and measure our worth by the character that he has built in us and not the status of anything else worldly. And, and so this continues on. And so <clears throat> the last part of this verse here is her husband trust her. And so this is still applicable for married women and for not married women. And I'll go into that. So if you're not married, that's okay. Okay. So <clears throat> you can still have people have trust in you because of your integrity and your worth. Right. And there's this unwavering faith that is in this woman because knowing that she's a flawed human, but trusting the content of her character. So this goes back to character. So even if you're single, Pringle and whatever else, measuring your worth in the content of your character. So it's not dependent on the marital status, but it's dependent on her own heart and her own soul, right? So it's based upon her own desires, her aspirations, and her spirit. <clears throat> it's not dependent upon anyone around her. She doesn't, they, because people don't lack faith in her. She's a force to be reckoned with. I have heard this quote like a bajillion times, but it's like, well-behaved women rarely make history, right? And so you think of these women who, who really stood out and just because they weren't well behaved by society standards doesn't mean that they didn't, they weren't obedient to God. And so you think of people like Joan of Arc, who was this like 16 year old French peasant woman, right? In the 1400s, God starts giving her dreams and visions to help France, to help France in the war against England. She goes up. I mean, at this time, I don't even know how to describe in modern times that would be like, in a way, like a five-year-old child coming up out of kindergarten and going to the President of the United States and saying, hey, I know exactly what we need to do against the war because God told me this. Because the status of the time of women was so low, not to mention she was not of noble birth, meaning not like in the spiritual context, more in the like worldly context, you know, she was a peasant woman and she was also 16 years old and she's going up to the Dauphine of France. And part of the way she gets in and she's like, Hey, so I know there was this insecurity you've had your whole life that you weren't legitimate because your mom, not always loyal, but I don't want you to worry because the Lord has told me that you are legitimate. So don't question it. Believe God in that because it's true. And so she grant, she's gained this access into talking to the Dauphin, to the Prince of France, because of what the Lord had told her. And that is just such a really like invigorating and cool thing to see where the Lord put her status instead, right? And she wasn't well-behaved by the standards of society, but she was obedient to what the Lord asked her to do. And because of her trusting in God and having that faith and being correct. I mean, she led France into victory many times. People for a certain time period did not lack that faith in her. Later, there was all this political stuff and 
she ended up being very wrongly killed, but that's, I digress. Anyway, <laughs> um, so continuing, you know, women who, who have this fever for God, who are excited, who have this passion, they're forced to be reckoned with. You stand firm in your beliefs and your resolve. And this is applicable because of the words chosen in speech, speaking only to uplift or bring someone closer to God, encouraging someone to only be the best version of themselves. This can be testing at times, but abstaining from perverse or condemning language funnels knowledge that anyone spoken of a false or disparaging word against this woman, no one's ever going to believe it because they know the integrity of this person, right? And I think that's something that in this day and age where everybody is so up in the air and so angered at every single thing that we really need to focus on doing. We need to focus on blessing people. We need to focus on thinking about what we say before we say it or thinking about what we're going to type before we type it. Really thinking through every post, every text message, not to this insanity, um, but thinking, is it true? Is it loving? And is it necessary? And running things through those three tests to really see if that's something that we need to bring into the light. Um, so this woman brings good in all of her days. She walks in grace with a firm courage that she is saved by the creator of the universe and that she is in his hands. So one of the lesser known women in the Bible is Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is one of my favorite women in the Bible, hands down. She is so, so cool. So she was the mother of John the Baptist and she was a fireball for God. So she was cousin to Mary, mother of Jesus. Elizabeth and her husband had desperately wanted a child, but later in their years, they still didn't have a child. And one day, her husband was praying in the temple, and an angel came, a literal angel. Okay, so let's let's think about this for a second. Let's just stop right there. Thinking about a literal angel appears right before this guy, okay, and says, hey, soon you're going to have a son. So Elizabeth was a solid woman in faith, and she believed that God was going to do that. Even though she was older in age, she was like, no, that's going to happen. I believe it. An angel came to you, so this is going to happen. She was told by God that she'd have a son. And when it came to pass, her reaction is just totally priceless. She says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So the interlinear shares, and blessed is she in believing, because there will be a completion to the things spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth rejoiced and trusted God at his word because of who he is and his faithfulness. And in her lifetime, she saw this miracle come to pass and this promise kept. But what is evident through her response after it happened is that she believed prior to it happening. Her gait was in peace and in faithfulness. Her faith in God enabled her to be a blessing to her husband, her family, her cousin Mary, and to everyone she came into contact with. So thinking about that, she fully believed. She did not waver. As soon as her husband came home, said, hey, an angel came to me, said we're going to have a son. She believed it. And this is interesting because you look at, there's quite a few women in the Bible who were told they would have a child. <clears throat> um, we see the first one being Sarah. Sarah, and this is not knocking Sarah, but just the reactions are interesting. So Sarah, the literally, she laughs at God right? She laughs and she's like, ha, ah, that's funny. Yeah, sure. We're going to have a kid. And, and sure enough, they do. Um, the Shumanite woman in first Kings four or second Kings four is told, you know, Hey, well, what do you want? And her husband's like, she wants a son. And she's like, um, yeah, sure. Like that's going to happen. 
And then a year later, she has a son. And so then we come to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was rare in that she was so concrete that when she was told that, she believed it. She was like, yep, okay, cool. I mean, this is a woman who's well in years, really seems like an impossibility that she would have a child. And she believes it instantly. And I love to, if you if you really dig deeper, and this is for another topical podcast another time, um, but it literally says that when she was expecting John, that she was already filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit indwelled within John in the womb. And to the point when Mary came to visit, when she was expecting Jesus, um, John like kind of leaps in the womb. So she, he kind of like starts kicking and getting all excited because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit already. And I just think about when the Lord will bless me with children, um, when I am one day pregnant with them, just praying that that same kind of spirit and joy is just encompassed in them from that first moment that they exist. And, and thinking about that, and that's how Elizabeth was. And she was so filled with the Holy Spirit herself. Her son was, and she has this son who is so revolutionary like and mind-blowing to so many people. And he kind of in a way, you know, after Mary, I feel like John probably came second in being the second Christian, you know, and really knowing who Jesus is and following him and being obedient and loving Jesus, you know, it's his cousin. So a lot of that came from his mama and and looking at how Elizabeth lived. So where does this leave us? We're in 2019. Simply put, faith. Fully acknowledging that indeed we are flawed human people born after the fall, but we're also fully saved by Christ himself. And knowing that in Christ, he will make us able, we are able to do this. We are able to come into this place where we can be these type, these these women. We are worthy. We're more worthy than Tiffany Rings. We're more worthy than anything like tangible on this earth, right? Good character and grace will win following him and a blessing to all we know, just like Elizabeth. So let's be like Elizabeth. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in Christ and rejoice that with each day and with his help, we were becoming this Proverbs 31 woman. And if you're a guy, I encourage you, pray for the women in your life. Pray for them to become this kind of fearless, rejoicing woman in God. And if you haven't met a woman like that, pray for her. Pray that God will send you this kind of woman. So hope this blesses you guys. Uh, Always looking for feedback. So, yep, keep hitting me up on that. Also, um, excited to announce August 10th at Redemption Bookstore in Bon Air, Virginia, um, has asked me to do a book signing and speaking event for Unveiled. So August 10th at 7 p.m. Would love for you guys to come if you're in the area. Or if you're not, you should come anyway and do a road trip. It'll be a really great and exciting um, night filled with the Holy Spirit and love and I'm going to have a pretty cool topic for you guys that I'm speaking on. I'm super pumped and honored. So I'll close this out. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that you are making um, all of us worthy, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, Lord. And I just pray that you would continuously bring us into your love and light and help us become the people that you intended us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.